Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show, a podcast designed to help you gain clarity, lead effectively, and drive results for yourself, your team, and your organization. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Miller. So on the show today, we've got somebody that every, there's just a handful of people that every time this person is going to be speaking at something, or you know that they're going to be contributing in some way, this is the kind of person that if you know she's speaking, you're going to want to hear it. If she has written something, you're going to want to read it because she's a thoughtful person that is incredibly prepared and cares deeply about people. So today I'd like to welcome to the show, Angie Christopher. Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Miller. I appreciate that and your comments. Well, well, Dr. Christopher, I won't call you Dr. Christopher if you don't call me Dr. Miller. So we will just go uh, first (laughs) names and it will be great to go. But Angie does have her Juris Doctorate. And so uh, I appreciate that. Angie is the Vice President of Global HR and Talent for the Home Services Group of Convitech, does incredible work, and I'm so glad to be able to spend some time with you. So I can't even wait to get into this conversation with you. So looking at your life, you have done some amazing things, both in the corporate world and also in the nonprofit world with the foundation that you created about 20 years ago. But if I were to look at your life and we'll unpack all that here as we go along. But if I would look at your life and go back more towards the beginning and say, you know, who were the people that helped make an impact on you as a leader? Who were the people that helped you become who you are now? Who would you identify? And there may be a ton. So I know, you know, it's always tough to, to leave other people out. But if you can look at just one, who is one person that you would say was a leader or a mentor that helped shape you? Well, Nathan, I really have to put that into two and put them together. And I will say my grandmother and my grandfather together. Mm. They were absolutely incredible. I was raised in Enid, Oklahoma, small town in northern Oklahoma. And my grandfather and grandmother raised me. So I had from the start a very unique experience of having kind of older parents with lots of wisdom they had raised prior to me. They had raised about three sets of children that had come to them at different points in their marriage. Uh, And then I'm coming in as a, a grandchild. And even after I left, they raised another group of children from their church. So my grandfather was a pastor. My grandmother was a housekeeper. My grandfather lived to be 103 years old, and I I was fortunate enough to care for him. And some of the things that they that were most critical to them was education. My grandfather was raised in an era where African-Americans were not afforded an education. And so he was only able to go to the sixth grade. And after the sixth grade in Oklahoma, blacks had to pay to go to Langston University. And that was a continued education to move on into high school. And obviously his family didn't have the money to do that. And so he began to share crop. My grandmother had a 10th grade education. And so he worked in my entire life. He worked at a cemetery as the grave digger and she was a housekeeper for a local family. So they knew that education was the key to break the cycle. And so for generations, every single group, that was the number one thing that they promoted is 
you get your education. We want you to to work hard. We want you to thrive. We want you to grow. And so I now kind of sit back and rest kind of on the heels of what they did and understood why they pushed me so hard, why they wanted me to, to be more than I had to be, than I thought I needed to be or wanted to be. And it was because they knew that that opportunity would get me to where I am now. So I'm so grateful for their sacrifice. Thank you for sharing that just right off the bat. Sure. You know, at, at the heart of humility is gratitude, that you can't be humble if you think that what you have, you're entitled to. And so to hear your comments of, and, and the gratitude that you have towards the sacrifices that other people made to open a door of opportunity for you, to me, is at the root of humility. So what did it feel like to know that you were living out the dreams of other people like that? It feels wonderful. And I, and I actually recently shared that with a team. Someone asked me, especially since this month is Women's History Month, someone asked me about what makes me who I am as a leader. And I really think that is the heart and soul of what makes me who I am. It's the fact that I stand on the shoulders of those people who would never have had an opportunity to do the things that I'm able to do. And I take that very, very seriously in the things that I try to do and the things that I try to accomplish. I tell people all the time, many times I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I guarantee you I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room. And that's critical to what I do because I know where I've come from. And so every time I think about each opportunity that I have that they never had, it just kind of gives me a happy feeling inside. The depth of what that all means, what you just said, we could unpack for the rest of our time. The depth of that is amazing. So you've got encouraging people who have a vision for themselves and a vision for you. They have a game plan, which may be a bit simple in the sense of it was a direction of education is a path. And so they really began to promote that. But you're trailblazing because it's not clear how to open those doors, to get into those places and do those things. So if you could go back and look at your academic career, your professional career, what is one thing that you wished you had known when you began down that path on that journey? I think one thing is not to be afraid to take risks. I've always been a person who had a natural inclination to take risks, but I was afraid to do so. And it's exactly what you said, because I was trailblazing. For every position that I've had of leadership, I was for the most part, always the only black female. And I stand right now as a vice president of my organization as the only black female vice president. So that's been my journey as I've gone through leadership. And so sometimes when you're in those positions as the first or the only, it's a little intimidating to take risks. But there just kind of came a time where I had to say, I've got to do this. I've got to speak up. I've got to uh, have the conviction of what I'm saying and know what I'm saying is right. I've been trained. I've been educated. I've been prepared for this moment. And you have to take your seat at the table. So that's one thing that, you know, it took a long while to learn. But I really encourage those young leaders that are coming behind me to take a risk and to be inclined to do that. So you're not just someone who's saying that. You're living that out. You've served in a number of impressive capacities professionally, but you've also done some things in nonprofit work. 
you've been on, on boards of the Urban League of Greater Oklahoma City, Guiding Right, things like that. But back in 2000, you founded Diamond Daughters, which kind of gets at what you're talking about. Can you tell us a little bit about Diamond Daughters? Yes, Diamond Daughters, a friend of mine, we talked about exactly what you and I are talking about. How did we get to where we are? Did we have mentors that led us to this place? And what can we do to better serve other young women that in our situation? And I'll, I'll tell you a brief story, if you don't mind. When I was growing up in Enid, the community that I lived in, I did not know any African-American professional people. Everybody that I knew worked at a restaurant or a hotel. There was hospital. There were kind of local organizations, but I had never met the type of people that I had seen on TV. And there was a lady named Miss Jones, and she took a group of young girls to Tulsa on a journey just to kind of do exactly this, to mentor us and take us outside of Enid. And when we went to Tulsa, we met her son and daughter-in-law. Her son was a doctor at ORU and her daughter was a lawyer. And my eyes just shined when I saw these two African-American professional people that lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that very brief meeting led me on a journey to want to be a lawyer. That's as soon as we left that trip, I said, I want to be a lawyer. I know I can be a lawyer. I've met a lawyer. She looks just like me. And so that's really what birthed this desire to be that to young people. And so Diamond Daughters is an organization that I founded to help young women shine and to help them kind of find that part of them that really just needs to kind of be dusted off and give them an opportunity to shine. So it's been a great experience to have young women move through this group. I partner them with other black women that are mentors and leaders in our community and they stay with them until they graduate. So it's been an incredible journey over the years with Diamond Daughters. And I will point out that hundreds of women have come through that program. And I know that there are at least two who now hold doctorates of their own. And so uh, thank you for the work that you're doing with that. That's a, it's an amazing thing. And it kind of leads into my next question or my next thought of when you are looking at uh, leaders who are going to make an impact, especially in a world that has a lot of inequality, a lot of bias, all these different things, and you're trying to help people find their way, what is one characteristic that you look at that you believe every leader should possess? Um, I, and I tell this to, to the young women of Diamond Daughters, it's to play to your strengths. Um, we all have weaknesses and we know what they are. You don't have to highlight those. Focus on cultivating the things that you're good at and you'll be able to grow. The things that I'm strong at, it has nothing to do with my career in HR. It doesn't have anything to do with my career in the legal field. It has to do with my compassion for people, my ability to communicate with others, my ability to connect. So those are my strengths. And so in any role that I would have, those are the areas that I play to. And those are the areas that I really try to cultivate and grow. So you're trying to give people really, that's one of the great things about the role that you play, is that you are dedicating yourself to helping everybody, regardless of their background, regardless of their gender or race. You are dedicated to helping everybody thrive and succeed. But the world that we live in is challenging. So when you think about leaders and you're trying to help develop leaders, inspire leaders, 
what would you say would be some of the, the biggest challenges that they face as leaders? I think one of the challenges that I continue to see is people opening, being vulnerable and being willing to be vulnerable. If you're a good leader, you have to be willing to be vulnerable to your team, to your colleagues, to those around you. And so I, I understand that that's, that's not the most pleasant part of the journey, but I think it's an important part of the journey so that people see that you're a real person, you're a human, and that you're here to work together. When I lead my team, I lead it in a kind of a player coach model. I'm here with them. I'm here for them, but I'm also going to share with you my knowledge along the way. And so I think it's critical that we not only be vulnerable, that we coach, and that we also bring people along in the way. I want my team, I actually want to be out of a job. You know, I want to train them and I want to work with them and develop them that when the time comes, I can move right on to the next part of my journey and without hesitation, somebody can step up. So I think sometimes leaders are challenged in doing that. You know, for you growing up in Enid, to be raised by grandparents who would have been living in one of the most challenging times in American history in many ways of what they endured, made all the more challenging because of racism and the whole systemic type of racism that they were processing. To look at all that and to look at where you are now, I know that there must be a great deal of pride in that you're a product of a community that wanted to see you thrive and succeed. And I'm so glad that you were able to do that and that you are doing that and opening doors for other people to do that. So when you're thinking about those leaders who are going out for the first time into a leadership role, and one of the things that we talk about a lot is that the challenge of the emerging leader is not just that they are taking on a new skill set. They're really taking on a new identity. And they go from being rewarded for being the doer to having to be someone who's orchestrating the doing, helping other people succeed, the player coach. What advice would you give someone that's in that moment? They're going into leadership for the first time or they're in a formal way. What advice would you give them about how to be an effective leader? That's a great question. I love that for a new leader. I think that a lot of times we don't look at demonstrating strength with kindness and grace. We look at demonstrating strength by, I'm a new leader. I've got to forge my way. I've got to make everybody know who I am. I'm the boss. And as a new leader, this is what I've got to do. I don't believe you have to be bossy to be a boss. I don't think you have to be condescending to demonstrate strength. I think the greatest leaders that I see, including yourself, are those that are inclusive, that are collaborative, that are just kind and thoughtful. And so that's kind of one of the things that I would like to share with new leaders, that how you demonstrate strength will really guide your career path. If no one else ever benefits from this podcast, I've got to tell you, Angie, what you just said is gold. To shift that mindset right there, to say there are other ways to show people how to be a leader, that you're an effective leader, that you're a bold leader, and that that boldness is not always in the demonstration of strength in the way that we think. But to approach it from that angle, that's just amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Sure, absolutely. So one of the things I find with leaders is that they are always looking for resources, ways to, to learn and, and get better. But they also hate wasting their time on things that don't help them get better. And so they are more likely to ask, hey, what are some resources that you would recommend that would help me become the kind of leader that you're describing? 
Do you have any thoughts on that? Are there some things that you would recommend? And sometimes it's not like a specific book or something, but it's a way of thinking, like always reading or always listing or, or something like that. Would there be something that you could pass along that might be a resource for people wanting to become better leaders? Absolutely. I do think that people need to always be in a mode of learning. There should be no end to your ability to learn. Those of us that have professional licenses, like a law license, we're required to have 12 hours of continuing education per year. And I think that should really be the thought for your life. What am I doing to kind of self-care and to continuously provide myself with education? I'm a podcast person, so I absolutely enjoy listening to podcasts. I listen to Simon Sinek a lot, Jim Collins. I enjoy him quite often when I'm listening to podcasts. Oprah, you know, you can't ever go wrong with an Oprah podcast. So Now, that's one thing that I do for self-care. It's very interesting that we're recording this. And right now I'm in Florida for that reason. I've worked very hard this year, especially helping to lead and guide and direct our organization through the COVID period. Um, And when you're in HR, you're in the trenches when it comes to making plans and deciding what needs to be done and when and how. So I made a decision that I just needed to take a couple of weeks. I'm still working, but it's for self-care. And so I'm able to kind of sit at the beach. I've got my journal in hand. I journal, kind of talk through with myself some things and plans that I want to do. I listen to podcasts. And so it's really my time to rejuvenate and to give myself strength so that I can help the rest of my team. So those that are out there, it's whatever works best for you. But for me, it's really kind of a constant practice of gleaning knowledge. Well, Angie, thank you for your time. And I'm glad you're in Florida. I you know, had some interactions with you when we were in the just the heart of what we're dealing with, with the pandemic and what you were doing for your organization. It really was uh, the 24-7 on-call. How do we help people get through this kind of thing? And I think that your example to your team of being intentional about how you live, to go to a place that is a good fit for you right now and to be able to do this from Florida, I think you're sending a message even with that. And so thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. So as we wrap up, thank you, uh, Angie, for being on this show. She is someone that uh, you need to be listening to and following along with. So Angie Christopher is her name. Check her out on, uh, on LinkedIn and places like that because you want to be surrounded by people who have the experiences that she has and have the compassion that she has. This is just the kind of person you want to be around. One thing she just said that I would leave you with, she's talking about the continuing education requirement for her law degree and that idea of having at least 12 hours per year. And I love what she was getting at there because it does not, this is something that you could uh, assign yourself. I'm going to assign myself that I would, I can do this continuing education units, regardless of my profession, regardless of where I am in my profession, I'm going to be a learner. And that's at the heart of the growth mindset. And the growth mindset to me is so conducive to great leadership. And so today, be the leader by being a learner. And today, keep in mind that the role of the leader is to set the pace and the tone in compassion and kindness, which can be an amazing mark of a bold leader. 
according to Angie Christopher. You heard it here today. Have a great day. We look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next time on the Strata Leadership Show.